0: Good morning everybody. I hope you are well. We are officially in stage four and in a greater degree of unlockedness to what we were before and it's been a long haul. I trust that you are well. I trust that your hearts are strong. Your minds are good. Your emotions are in check. Um, I want to tell you friends it's been a tough week Uh, for me. I'll tell you a story about a tough week that has been for me but I'm trusting that this this morning you'll leave this broadcast with a with a, with a with a sense of hope and expectation and something to put your hands to. Uh, but first of all, just my story this week, I haven't had a great week. Um, if you speak to my wife, she will tell you that I've had a terrible week because my terrible week has unpacked and unloaded itself on my family as well. And uh, I got to the side a great first half of the week, and then I just nosedived the rest of the week. And the reason why I nosedived is that I started getting into Twitter and social media, and I started disagreeing with some of the decisions that were being made by government and some of the implementation of what's been going down. And I kind of I kind of went into this, it's what I call for my, my life when I walk into home affairs, the spirit of home affairs came upon me. It's like this immovable, unhelpful, uh, uncourteous, just a place of can anything get done here? Can anything good come out of this mode that started to come over me? And uh, I had to find a way to dig myself out of it, friends. But uh, it was, and, and who knows whether my, my musings around whether the, what the government's doing is right or wrong, is even right or wrong, but in my mind, I was very right and I wasn't enjoying some of the things that they were doing. But friends, I learned three key things this week that I think will help us. And the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this kind of thing about how of how the government's unlocking and the, the decisions that are being made by different ministers and different different people that are, are doing these things and making these decisions is that over time over the next few months things are going to happen that we don't like the government is going to say this is this can open and this can't open and it might not be the the business that you're in or or whatever whatever it is that it that comes into being and actually we're gonna have to wrestle through flip this is irritating me actually I feel helpless what can I do? I've just got to go along with it, which means you step into hopelessness. And uh, so three key things that I learned this week around my little valley that I went through and uh, was one is leadership is key. Those that lead have got to lead well at this time. And those that lead have to lead with a clarion voice. Those that lead have that need to need to have heard God if we Christians. And, and, and be able to step and take people into a future. And it's not actually just giving people direction, but it's actually giving people focus. We've got to stay focused at this time as to, into what as a church, particularly as to what God's called us to. But I think across the board, it's not just the direction we're moving. We've got to stay focused and we've got to cut out what we don't need and stick to the plan and stick to what we need to do. So leadership was key. I realized, man, leadership is key. If I'm watching these broadcasts and I'm watching these leaders speak and it's not putting hope in me, we've got to make sure that actually we lead well in this time. The second thing that I learned, and this happened through a phone call with a mate, and I started unloading on him some of my, some of my wrestles and struggles. And he said to me, hey, Stan, those are not your battles to fight. And, 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 and when he said that, and I know that, and he, when he said it, it reminded me of this thing is that actually we've got to fight the battles we call to, not the battles that we're not called to. Leadership is key, and watch the battles that we're fighting, friends. Some of these decisions and some of these things that are happening are not our battles to fight. We've got to find a way to get through this in Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit, but actually some battles are not ours to fight. And the government decisions, the decisions that happen with cabinets and government are actually not my battles. I'm part of this nation, I'm not the decision maker, and we've got to be careful the battles that we choose to fight. And then thirdly was a comment that my wife said to me, she said, Stan, stop being cynical and critical of the government you call to pray for them. And of course I know that, and when it comes from your wife and she's a little bit miffed with you because you're being a grumpy bear, and it's very hard to receive that at the time. And I said, oh, no, I know, but I'm not, I don't care. Friends, at this time, we've got to be in prayer. Whether we agree with the decisions that the government make or not, we've got to be praying for our government. And, and there isn't, we're not helpless, we have prayer. And prayer can move a nation, prayer can move a president's heart, prayer can move a cabinet minister's heart, A prayer, prayer can accomplish things that no human being can, can do. And we've got to make sure in this time, in, in all the wrestles of what's going to happen and how we go forward, that we are praying and we are praying more than we moaning. Can we be praying more than we moaning? If we are praying more than we're moaning, our moaning will decrease and our joy will increase. I can guarantee you that. The lessons I learned this week is one, leadership is key. Two, fight the battles that you call to, not the ones you're not called to. And number three, be, be praying more than we're moaning. And uh, friends, let's, let's be a people that are praying uh, the, for wisdom and whether decisions are right or wrong, they are the decisions that are made. We've got to pray for wisdom, God's wisdom and God's spirit to blow onto these things. But back to Jesus and the kingdom, because I think I think we've got to make sure that we are focusing on Jesus. And I've said this before, we've got, to, we've got to focus on the who, not the how. And so many of us in business and in church and in whatever life we're in, you're thinking, how is this going to happen? Friends, I don't know how a lot of stuff is going to happen. I don't know how Corona uh, is just going to stop. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I know the who the king of kings and the lord of lords who has his hand on this and if i can focus on him and focus on who and what he's doing actually the the how will take care of itself not to not to abstain from our strategic uh, thinking and the tactics that god's going to give us but friends we got to be focusing on him more than we focusing on the how and more we more than we focusing on the problems at hand jesus is in a jesus is unchanging yesterday today and tomorrow he's an unchanging king with part of an unchanging story and he's inviting us to lead people and help people into that story which is unchanging no matter what goes on around us and I want to encourage you at this time focus on the who less than the how especially in these uncertain times we're going to get back back into the book of Acts this week uh, because we've got to we've got to get on with what God's called us to God's put us into a season of faith He's put us into a season of Acts where we faith for the Acts, faith like the early church had, and we want to see that outworked. And we trusting that the book of Acts will be, which is the kind of the infant church will be something that we will start to see amongst us as a people. I want to remind you that 2020 is not a write-off. So many people are saying we just write off 2020 and we get into 2021. Friends, 2020 is not a write-off year. 2020 is a key year for the future. And we've got to make sure that with a kingdom perspective, with a Jesus perspective, that actually he is working and he's moving in 2020 and 2020 is going to set us up for 2021 and set us up for the next 10 years, potentially. And so we've got to make sure we're just not writing 2020 off and kind of just waiting for this thing to pass. But actually we're getting on with what God's called us to do and taking ground in this season. And I've said that before, and I want to remind you of that again. We used to say this, we, we've said this many times over the years of Glenry, since before I was even on eldership, this is what was said, and maybe you've heard this said, if we could not meet as a church on a Sunday, would we as a church continue to grow, would people continue to mature, would, would the church continue to thrive, and if the answer to that is no, then actually our, our meetings potentially are doing more harm than good. And guess what? We're in the place where we can't meet on a Sunday and we are wanting and we are trusting God for the thriving and growing church of His kingdom to continue to move forward. we here. But I want to pose another question to you, an, an even deeper question. I want to ask you this question. If there was no technology, if there was no, no iPhones, and there was no digital platforms and there was no online capability. There was none of that, which, which kind of we have at this stage because we kind of not meeting on a Sunday, but we kind of are meeting on a Sunday. But if we had no technology and all we had was the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and some friends we could be in contact with, which that's all a disciple really needs. He needs the, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and a community of people around them, around us, would we continue to grow? If we didn't have Sunday meetings, would you continue to grow? Not just meetings in a building, but actually no meetings. Like all you had was the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and a few friends. Would you continue to grow? And I want to ask us that question, because if the answer to that question is no, maybe our approach to Jesus and His kingdom is not what it should be. Friends, do I believe we should be gathering as church and, and uh, together in a in a in a momentum and in a corporateness? Of course, yes, it's key. But friends, I want to say if we are depending on those things for our growth and for our maturing and for our uh, and that's the only thing that we have in Jesus. That's the only time we have with God is when we worship corporately or pray corporately or re- or sit under the preaching of the word, friends. I want to remind us again, that is not enough. That is not what God has for us. God wants a personal walk, a personal relationship with Him, and a journey with Him of following Jesus into more of God and more of His exploits and more of what He wants to do in and around this planet. Which takes us back to the book of Acts. And I want to remind you, we did one one preach in the book of Acts a few weeks ago in Acts chapter 1. And I want to remind you that the book of Acts starts... With these words, this in my former book, Theophilus, Acts chapter one, verse one to two. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to to the apostles, he had chosen. Can you can you see in my former book, Theophilus, it's what Jesus began to do and. Uh, to do and to teach. It was what he began to do. And the book of Acts is actually, it's often spoken of as the book of the Acts of the Apostles. But I want to say this, I think it could should be named the book, the Acts of Jesus by the Holy Spirit through the church, through the people of God. And actually this is what the book of Acts is. It's the continuation of the work of Jesus by the Holy Spirit through the people of God to the world To accomplish God's purpose, which is to bring His kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. To make His will known on earth as it is in heaven. And so I want to remind you of that. Jesus and the Holy Spirit have not stalled, they've not stopped, they've still got a mission. And which means that neither do we. So we in this time of lockdown, of of limited, restricted movement, of, of, of limited, everything, everything's limited. In this time, Jesus is unlimited, the Holy Spirit is unlimited and limited, and we are still called to do what we are called to do. So, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take three theological big pieces out of the first couple of chapters of, of the book of Acts just to get us back into Acts. It's not gonna be very expositional, it's gonna be more just three big theological pieces. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna land on the third theological piece and unpack that for us as a community, as Glenridge with some values and some, some, some uh, traits, some things that God has given us for this season which haven't changed. The first big thing is this. The first big theological idea is this, is that we are in a new kingdom or you probably could better say we are in a restored kingdom. And we get that. Why, why, how do we know that? Why do we know that the book of Acts opens with this kingdom of God being established and Jesus being enthroned as king. Well, we see that with his ascension in Acts chapter one, verse nine to 11, where we see Jesus is ascended on the clouds and it says, and they were sat there looking at them and the angel said to them, what are you looking at? He's coming again, get on with the work. It almost kind of has it, they don't say that, but it kind of has that feel. Listen, what are you looking at? Stop being, what. get on with it. Now that he's ascended, get on with it. And that ascension in Acts chapter one, verse nine, what, it's, a, it's a picture that comes from Daniel chapter seven. And Daniel chapter seven says this in verse 14. It's talking about this, this new, the this son of man that was coming, this new king that was coming. In verse 14, he says this. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him, his dominion is ever, an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And so what you have in the ascension of Jesus as the book of Acts opens is we realize that this Jesus has been ascended. The king is on high. The king has been established on his throne, which means his kingdom is in place. So the book of Acts opens with the kingdom of God being established through the life death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to Jesus, of Jesus, as we see in Daniel chapter seven. And so what we see is a new kingdom. The first theological piece is this, and we're gonna get this, because this is gonna impact, this is gonna impact what we do as we go forward for the next six to nine months, is a new kingdom has been established in Jesus, and that king has all authority, that king has all power, and, and it comes with an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Remember, Jesus was a man. He was limited with time and space. He could only be in one place at one time. But what happens is he ascends to the right hand of the Father, where he establishes, where he sits on the throne, and he, and he pours out the Holy Spirit. And so now you have a king that is without limit of time and space. You have a king that can rule and reign in every heart, In every home, in every nation, in every hospital, in every government organization, in every place, in every business, we have a king that can rule and reign without limits of space and time. We have a ruling king without limit, friends. An all-powerful an authoritative king that rules and reigns. The kingdom of God comes, the kingdom of God will come and comes wherever the will of the king is done. You see, and the book of Acts opens with a new kingdom being restored back to God. And a new and a kingdom being established on earth through the life of Jesus. Very important. Remember, friends, we're on about the kingdom of God. And the king doesn't come, the kingdom doesn't come without the king. The lordship of the king, the voice of the king is very important. His will is very important. But it is a kingdom that gets established. That's the first big theological piece. The second theological piece that comes with the book of Acts, comes out of Acts chapter 2. And this is the Pentecost story. And it says this in Acts chapter 2, 1 to 4. Acts chapter 2, 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them, and it goes on to talk about how people from different parts of the world heard them speaking in their own language, and heard them speaking in their own tongue, and they they they, they were amazed. In fact, they asked, "What is this?" The question that they asked in Acts chapter two is is, is kind of what's going on here. They were amazed. Well, what's going on here? And some of them said, oh, no, they're just drunk. It's it's it's, it's don't worry, they're just drunk." But friends, what we have here is the outpouring of the, of the power, Spirit of God and it comes through wind and fire. And this is an important big idea kind of theological piece because when, when we have images of wind and when do we have, let me ask you the question, when do we have images of wind and fire in the Bible? Well, in the Old Testament, we have images of wind and fire with God, with the angels and the seraphim around him, in the Holy of Holies, we have Ezekiel and, and Daniel describe these images, wind and fire, wind and fire. It's like this, this glory of God moment. We also have wind and fire in the Kings and Chronicles, in the, in the stories and the narratives of the Kings and the Chronicles of the different Kings of Israel. And what happens is that glory that is over the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies and in heaven, as Ezekiel describes, actually now comes to the temple. So what you have in the temple is wind and fire you have the same idea of wind and fire that leads the people of God you have the same idea friends what what wind and fire describes to us is a new temple You see in the book of in the book of Acts and Pentecost what happens is a new temple gets established and it's a beautiful thing because that temple is not now a place it's not now over one place or one geography, you can see it actually, it's, it specifically says, and the fire and what looked like tongues of fire came on each one of them. And so what happens is, and this is a big idea for us, friends, is that the temple is no longer a place. The temple is the place where God lives, which is spoken of in the scriptures as in me and in we, and me and in we. So what happens is God in the book of Acts opens up. The kingdom of God is being established. And secondly, what he does is he says there's a new temple being established. And it's in every single one of you. And it's in all of you collectively. And the Bible talks about that being personal and individual as well as corporate and in the many. So this temple gets established in me. And this temple gets established in me. And guess what, friends? This temple is transportable. It's as transportable as the people are. This temple is flexible. It doesn't, it's not limited to geography. It can go wherever. This temple can go wherever people go. It can go wherever the people of God go. The temple goes. You see, the temple was the place where heaven and earth met. And where heaven and earth met, there was wind and fire. And wherever the people of God go... Wind and fire is a possibility. The glory of God is a possibility. The potential of God's will being done on earth is a possibility. Potential of of heaven breaking into earth is a possibility. And so what happens is God in the the beginning of Acts, he establishes this new temple. It's transportable, it's flexible, and it's adaptable. Heather did did a, a devotion this week on being adaptable. And I want, I want to say to you about this thing, the difference between being flexible and the difference between being flexible and adaptable. The first one is flexible is like an elastic thing. It's like it's flexible, but it can come back to what it was. So an elastic is flexible. You kind of, when you stretch it, it comes back. That's being flexible. So actually my, my, my flexibility means you can go there, but you come back to it. It's kind of you're able to move. It's, it's, it's got some flexibility, you would say. But being adaptable is a little bit different because of being adaptable means that you move but you don't change. You need to you move to new shapes, you move to new things, you you move to to new contexts and new ways of meeting and you move to digital platforms instead of personal platform uh, interaction one on one in the flesh. It's adaptable and we as the people of God when we look at this temple that comes on each one of them you realize it's strong the, the the temple the presence of God. The the the, the this this incredible ministry that God's giving us, given to the church is both is transportable, it's flexible, and it's adaptable. Friends, friends, we are gonna have to learn in these days to come to be adaptable to change the way we do things for the sake of the future. In the kingdom, in business, in every way. In fact, if you don't, we're gonna die. It's not gonna be a good picture going forward. We've got to be transportable, flexible, and adaptable. The temple goes with you. The potential of heaven and earth breaking, heaven meeting earth breaks in wherever we are. It's a beautiful truth. The kingdom of God is being established. There's a new kingdom. There's a new temple. The third thing is this, and I want to press down a little bit on this, on this particular one. In Acts chapter 2, verse 5 to 13, I won't read the whole thing, but this is, this is what it starts with by saying. As it goes on from what we read on earlier. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them had heard their own language being spoken. I said that earlier. Utterly amazed they asked, aren't all of these speaking, aren't all of these who are speaking Galatia, uh, uh, Galileans? Are they, how come they speak speaking in these languages? Because they're all from the same nationality. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And he lists a oh, whole, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Uh, uh, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts near Libya, Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our tongues. And so what you have is now the temple moves to people and the gathering of people. But it's more than that because it's not just a new kingdom and a new temple. It's actually a new priesthood. You see, what God does is He puts on each of these men and women that were in that room. He puts on them an ability to minister and to be priests. And they ask this question, amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? Friends, one of the things that it means is it means that you and I have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to go into any culture, into any geography, into any context, And be able to speak a language and be able to bring a word and to be able to bring a message and to be able to bring life in people's own language, whether it's business language or a foreign language, we are able and we're equipped by the Spirit of God to do those things. And we've spoken about for years, the priesthood of all believers. Friends, in the book of Acts, there's a new kingdom, there is a new temple, and there's a new priesthood order that's being established. And this priesthood goes out into all the world. So the question is this, 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 and, and before I even get there, just just imagine this, friends. It's the church, the church is the most multi-ethnic, multicultural movement in all the earth that's ever been and ever will be, I wanna say. There's nothing like the church, like the people of God that touches every nation, that touches every kind of person, that touches. Listen, people of different nations in the same building together might not get on. But this multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-dimensional just people of God is established by the Spirit of God on Pentecost and empowered to go into all the world. And the book of Acts is a, is a, is a description of what they did and how they did it and how things moved forward which can speak to us in so many different ways. What, what, what does a priest do? A priest takes people to God. And priests take God to people. Priests take people to God in prayer. Priests, priests are those that serve God and serve people. Friends, every single one of us are called to be a priest. A priest is one that is endowed with spiritual gifts so that we can serve people. You see, this is what was established in the book of Acts. In the beginning of the book of Acts, a new kingdom, a new temple, and a new priesthood that God has ordained to go and minister. We may not be allowed to meet together for the next six months, friends, but the kingdom of God is continuing to advance. The privilege of meeting together on a Sunday will be missed, but friends, the kingdom of God is going to continue going and moving. I want to to encourage you this morning, that actually are sitting at home on a Sunday cannot be a moment of entertainment. It's a moment. I love Sunday mornings. I don't even know what's coming on half of the time. It's, it's so exciting. I, the, the kids, the, the worship, there's new songs being written. And, and of course, I'm preaching, so I'm watching myself preach. And that's a bit of a cringe moment. But friends, I want to say to you, Sunday, Sunday mornings cannot be entertainment for us. Sunday mornings have got to be, a, it's not spiritual Netflix, Sunday mornings are those moments that equip us, that encourage us, that strengthen us so that we can go and be part of the new kingdom and be the temple and be the priesthood that God's called us to be. Always in our Sunday morning gatherings, whether we're meeting together or whether we're meeting on a TV or seeing something's being preached on the TV, there's always an upward dimension. There's always an inward dimension and there's always an outward dimension. There's an upward dimension to connect with God. There's an inward dimension that changes us and shifts us and helps us and encourages us and rebukes us and corrects us and all the things that happen inside of us. But there's also this outward dimension where we actually get out there and are called to do what God's called us to do. Remember, we're talking about a priesthood, a priesthood here. And can I just say this? It's called a priesthood. It's not just, every priest has got to be in a hood. It's a community of priests. Every, that's why it's not one person. It's a multiple, it's groups of people. And even though we can't be with each other, we're still a priesthood. We're priests in a hood together with people accomplishing the purposes of God. So I want to remind you this morning of two parts of the great Glenwood priesthood journey. And they are absolutely key for us. Now, the first part is this. I want to remind you in this priesthood piece. There's two parts that I want to remind you of. One, the Glenridge discipleship journey. And number two, that we grow in circles, not in rows. And that doesn't change. First of all, the Glenwood, the Glenridge discipleship journey. And you will have seen this if you've been in the building. We put up boards and we had a whole series at the end, towards the end of last year about our values and about these four key, key parts to our journey with God and our discipleship. The first one is this, is introduce. The second one is integrate. The third one is invest. And the fourth one is impact. And so in our discipleship journey, we've got to be introduced to Jesus We've got to be integrated into a community of people, and we've got to be invested in so we grow and mature, and we've got to be impacted by those around us and all that God is doing in the kingdom of God. We introduce, integrate, invest, impact are part of our discipleship journey. So we want to produce disciples that are introduced, integrated into community, into a local church, are being invested in and are impacted, being impacted by that local church and the ministries of that local church. But I want, I want to say to us this morning, it doesn't, just, it doesn't just end there because we've got to move from being an er, or sorry, we've got to move from being an ed to an er. An ed to an er. We've got to move from an ed to an er. Because part of the maturing process is that, and I'm reminding us of this because this is what discipleship looks like for us as a community, You've got to move from being an ed to an er. What does that mean? Well, it's not about just being introduced. It's not just about being integrated. It's not just about being invested in. And it's not just about being impacted. See, they're all EDs. It's not about that. It's actually moving into being an introducer and an investor and an integrator and an impactor. We've got to move from being eds to ers. And the maturing process of God, which is still the same and still unchanged, and reminding you, friends, this is like a building message. This is this is something that's going to make us strong and make us strong for the future. Our discipleship journey continues around those four things: introduced, introduced, and becoming an introducer, and an integrated person becoming an integrator. Friends, if you are not in a small group at this time, there's moments now. There's platforms. There's on the WhatsApp number, there's information. There is there's uh, on the website, there's information. If you want to get connected into a small group now, and I want to and I want to hugely encourage you, you need to do that now. We need to get more more than ever. You need to be integrated into a community, introduced and introducer. her, and and investor. Uh, sorry, an integrator, an investor. So actually, not only do we allow, do we train ourselves, equip ourselves, and allow people to invest in us, but we become Those that are investing into others and impact. We're not just impacted, we're an impactor. So actually what we do, and GC shares one of the ways that we are impacting at the moment, is we are making sure that those that cannot feed themselves at this time because of the pandemic are being fed. And friends, our responsibility and our discipleship, introduce, integrate, invest, and impact. Absolutely key. Nothing changes. Let's move from an ed to an er. The second part which is which is key for our Glenridge Disciple priesthood journey that we are on is that we've said this for, for for years now. We grow in circles, not in rows. Which means you can't just come to church once on a Sunday and expect that to be the only thing you need to grow, where you're sitting in rows, in big groups. Actually, we grow in circles in small groups. And and what I want to give us today is something that we have taught home group leaders and we have taught into the life of the church in many different forums. But I want to remind us that this is key now and is especially key now in the moment that we are in. We grow in circles, not in rows. We've said this, we want to be a church of home groups that meet on a Sunday, not a Sunday gathering that has home groups, which means our integration and our community life has got to be strong and being strengthened in God and in the Holy Spirit, and relationships and friendships and fellowship has all got to happen at, in, in this process, and it's part of our discipleship journey. So we grow in circles, not in rows. So there's four parts that we have spoken about of this growing in circles piece, and I want to I want to encourage us. And and we've we've used the language of a trellis. A vine needs a trellis. It needs if you've gone to a vineyard, you'll see there's these, these lines, these wires that kind of uh, go from post to post. And then the vines are taken and the vines are hooked onto these, these, these trellises. And then slowly but surely, that's what actually makes the vine grow. And it grows in, in a direction and it goes up and, and it does all that it's meant to be. And so what God has given us, he's given us a four-part trellis to make sure that we can be guided and that, we can, that growth can be promoted to us and around us and through us in our circles. And friends, this works, I believe, not just for small groups in church, any circle you're in. If you are in a, a business circle, if you're in a family circle, if you're in a, in, a, in, a, in a Zoom circle, if you're in a digital circle, these things are what needs to, these are the things that make um, circles of believers particularly healthy. But actually anybody that puts these two things into practice will begin to grow. And it's four key things. And the first one is this, prayer. First one is this. Let me give you four. It is prayer, it is care, it is reach, and it's empowerment. It is prayer, it is care, it is reach, and it's empowerment. What is prayer? What do I mean by prayer? Friends, it's it's amazing to, to see, and, and studies have been done, and we looked at a book called um, Small Groups, Big Impact, and they made this assessment. Let me read what they said literally Read what they said. And when I talk about prayer, I'm not talking about being in a prayer meeting. And I wanna encourage you, by the way, to get onto Thursdays, 7.30, prayer meetings on Facebook Live. It is absolutely profound what God is doing. If you don't know what that means, phone a friend, find out how you can do it. And if you haven't got data, please let some of us know so that we can get you data so you can be part of it if we can. But this is, this is what this book said. When leaders have a growing prayer life, More people are drawn to their group and into life-changing relationship with Christ. Our research reveals that leaders with a strong prayer life have groups that are more than four times more fruitfully evangelistically. More more than four times more fruitful evangelistically. Of the leaders with a strong prayer life, 83% reported that their group has seen someone come to Christ in the past nine months. But only 19% of the leaders with a weak prayer life could say the same. Life-giving ministry depends on God and his abilities, not on you and your abilities. Friends, in our circles, in our home group circles, in in our business circles, prayer and prayer for the group and prayer for the people is absolutely key. And that doesn't change. In fact, even more so, your sphere of influence, your your work group, your business group, your, your employees, your your, exec, your other managers, your, you need to be praying for them. We need to be praying for them. Prayer is the first key. And we, we, say, we say this to our leaders, prayer trumps prep. Rather than prepping for a home group, we're saying rather pray for your home group because the life of God is there when you start to pray, even if your prep is not what it should be. So the first one is prayer. Small groups. You want to grow in your circles. Number one, it is prayer. The second one is care. Care. Loving and helping people. Helping people connect deeply. Friends, at this time, as priests, remember we're talking about this new kingdom, a new temple, and a new priest. As priests, we need to be helping care for people in the circles that God has put us in which means we've got to help people connect. We've got to be vulnerable. We've got to teach people to to know what people need. We've got to be vulnerable. We've got to be in these vulnerable relationships. And it's been amazing to see how the stats are that people are more vulnerable in Zoom than what they are in real life. It doesn't make sense, but it is what it is. Friends, we need to connect and care for each other in this time. The third thing is reach. And this is simply we've got to live beyond ourselves. Any circle that lives for the benefit of itself is not going to be healthy. Any circle, any small group, any Zoom digital group circle is not going to be healthy if it doesn't, if it doesn't reach beyond itself. And friends, we've got to make sure that in all that we're doing, and I want to encourage you, friends, get into a group, get connected into a group, into a small group, into the, go through the channels to, to, to find out how you can do that. So that we can, so that you can be under the prayers of a small group leader or of a, of a of a group of people, that you can be under the care of a of a group of people, and you can be encouraged to reach and live beyond yourself, way more than what we are now. If we get introspective in these times, it is going to be very help. help. It's not going to do any. It's not going to help us in any way. We need to be reaching beyond ourselves and living beyond ourselves. And then the fourth one is empower. Every circle, every group that meets in God has got to be multiplying. It's got to be seeing the gifts in others and drawing those gifts out and saying, no, you can minister. You have been given. You are part of the, the priesthood that is now available. And actually, let's see what your spiritual gifts are and let's begin to use them. Let's see what your talents are and begin to use them. Actually, we've, all got, to, we've got to continue as a church, friends, to continue to multiply over this time. The reality is this, friends. The reality is this is that we are probably not going to be able to meet as a, as a church in a building altogether like we used to for the next six months. So this is our new normal, friends. And unless the priesthood rises up and we start, we continue with our introducing, integrating, investing and impacting journey, we're going to start to move down. Unless we we understand that we're a priest and we grow in circles and we get connected into those circles where there's prayer, there's care, there's reach, and there's empowerment where actually there's a continued multiplying. Friends, 2020 is going to be a year to forget, not a year to remember. Friends, what God has for us in 2020 is profound and we've got to go after it in Him and trust Him for that. I want to remind you this morning, friends, that actually what God has for us as a church is unchanged. And what the kingdom has got, what God has in mind for his kingdom over this time is unchanging. We are going forward. We are going forward in God and we are gonna kind of get back up, geared up and start to move into what God has for us. Friends, the kingdom is in place. The king is on his throne. The temple has been reconstituted and it's you and me together and on our own. And the priesthood, friends, has been empowered and you are part of that priesthood. You are in the kingdom You are part of the temple and you're an empowered priest in the midst of that temple. Friends, as a church, we are going to move forward and we trust God for what He has for us going forward. We bless you and I pray that the kingdom of God would land itself in in your family and all that you do and His will will come, His heavenly will will come to your earthly plan. And I pray that God's that you would understand the intimacy of the temple. And I pray that you would be empowered to be the priest that God's called you to be in these coming days. Bless you, love you guys, and we'll see you on the screen some other time. Bless you.